Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. interesting discussion yesterday as we looked at Acts chapter 4 and asked what was behind the objections that the religious leaders of the day had to Peter and John healing that crippled man outside the temple. Well, in verse 15 of chapter 4, we read that they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber while they conferred together. It says in verse 16, they discussed together, what are we going to do with these men? Everyone in Jerusalem is well aware that they have performed an outstanding miracle. We cannot deny this. Now, you see, if these people were real men of God, you would automatically say, well, if they recognize a miracle has really happened, I mean a true miracle, a discernible miracle, somebody that they all knew was born a cripple and is now is walking and leaping about and praising God, you would think that would make them reconsider their position. But far from it, they want to hold on to their religious power and authority. Not, not spiritual power and authority, religious power and authority. And this is always the problem. This is, I mean, this is what I've encountered all the way through my ministry, that the opposition has come from religious people far more than from the world, actually. So, however, we must stop them spreading, it says in verse 7. We must stop them spreading their teaching any further by warning them not to speak to anyone in this name, this name of Jesus. Now, they've clearly said it is in the name of Jesus and through faith in him that this man now stands before you completely healed as you can see for yourselves. So you would think that if they were really spiritual people, they would say, wow, we need this name, we need this person, we need Jesus. But they'd rejected him while he was alive, and now they're rejecting the followers of him. So they called Peter and John before them and ordered them not to speak or teach again in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John responded, you can judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's eyes for us to obey you rather than to obey him. We cannot remain silent, but must speak about what we have seen and heard. Now, let me just say uh, a word of warning here. There are people who totally misapply uh, this verse 19, and they take it to mean that they do not have to believe, they do not have to listen to those in spiritual authority over them. That is not what this scripture means. It is quite clear, if we take the whole teaching of the New Testament, that we're to live in submission to the leadership I'm talking about real spiritual leadership now, not talking about religious leadership, but spiritual leadership, um, because that spiritual leadership is there for our good, to help us test whether what we're hearing really is from God or not. So don't take this verse out of its context and make it mean something else. Um, Clearly, God has been at work through Peter and John, and they have done what they have done in response to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has spoken through Peter in the words that he addressed the crowd and then later the, um, the Jewish leaders. So this is God at work. It's not, you know, I believe God has given me some revelation and I'm not going to listen to anybody else. No, 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 no. That is a totally different context altogether. So what, what um, 
Peter is saying here, look, what we have been doing is what God is telling us to do. We are fulfilling the commission that Jesus has given to go and preach in his name. Now, are we to listen to God or are we to listen to you because you are opposing God? And that's the only time when we have real permission from God not to listen to those in authority if they tell us to do something that is in opposition to the word of God, that is opposed to the word of God, because the authority of Scripture is higher than the authority of any individual person. So uh, Peter says in verse 20, we cannot remain silent but must speak about what we have seen and heard. The council threatened them further before releasing them. They could not agree on any suitable form of punishment because all the people were praising God for the wonderful miracle that had happened. For the man who had been a cripple was over 40 years old. So um, we can see, therefore, that, that um, uh, everybody, was aware of who this man was because, of course, everybody would have passed him on the way into the temple at one time or another. And uh, you couldn't gainsay this wonderful miracle. So just as there was the continual confrontation between Jesus and the religious authorities, so this confrontation is continuing now during the period of the early church. So what did Peter and John do? Once they were released, well, verse 23 says, Once released, Peter and John returned to the other believers to report on all that was said to them by the chief priests and elders. In response, the believers all prayed aloud together, thanking God by saying, Sovereign Lord, you created the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through your, your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage? Why do the people make their own useless plans? The kings of the earth and rulers together stand against the Lord and his anointed one. This is what happened here in this city. Herod and Pontius Pilate, Gentiles and the people of Israel together, plotted against your holy servant Jesus, your anointed one. But they were only doing what you had decided by your power and will should happen. This was your plan. But now, Lord, because you are aware of their threats, enable us as your servants to speak your words of truth with great boldness. We need to see you stretch out your hand to heal the sick and to perform more signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now let's just pause there. They're not praying for the Holy Spirit. They're praying for results. Now, it's amazing what they pray. We want to speak your truth with great boldness. What have they been doing? Precisely that. They preach with boldness on the day of Pentecost. They preach with boldness after this cripple was healed. They preach with boldness in front of the Jewish council, the Jewish leaders. And yet they're saying, we need more boldness. The opposition is increasing, so instead of being afraid of the opposition, trying to keep us quiet, we need more boldness, Lord. What has produced this present situation, this remarkable healing that has had an impact on the whole city? And yet they're praying, Lord, we need to see you heal the sick and to perform more signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. 
They're not just saying, wow, look what a great miracle has happened. How great we are spiritually. They say, Lord, we need more. Greater boldness, more healing, more of your power, more authority to use the name of Jesus. How did God answer their prayer? Verse 31. After they had prayed in this way, the meeting place shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit again and spoke God's word boldly. Now this is very interesting because I've come across a lot of Christians, evangelical Christians, who have said, you can only receive the Holy Spirit once. Well, you try telling that to God because these men received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And these same people are shut away praying and the Holy Spirit comes on them again. Why should God shake the building? God doesn't do anything without having purpose. Why shake the building? Because I believe he wanted everybody to understand this is the Spirit coming upon them. It's not simply the Spirit rising up within them. So can the Spirit come upon people more than once? Well, he certainly came upon them more than once. And I would say the Holy Spirit has come upon me on a number of occasions. And that has increased the anointing and the effectiveness of my life and ministry every time it's happened. And that would be true not just of me, but of many, many, many other people. We can limit God by our wrong theologies. So this boldness was not foolhardiness at all. It was a supernatural thing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean... You see, in the natural, what do you do when there's great opposition like this? You, you become fearful and you, you, know, you want to re retreat and, redraw, and withdraw. But with the boldness of the Holy Spirit, these men went forward. They didn't retreat. They said, no, no, we need more of you, God. Now, wouldn't it be great if every church in the land prayed like this? Lord, we need to speak your word with boldness. In the face of all the unbelief, all the antagonism, all the ridicule of the world around us, we need to have the boldness to preach your word. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every church in the land prayed, Lord, we need to see your hand stretched out to heal. Yeah, we thank you for all you do through the medical profession. We're not in competition. We praise you for them. But we need to see you performing the signs and wonders that confirm that we are preaching the truth of your kingdom. And wouldn't it be wonderful if God shook, not the building so much, as our lives and filled us with the Holy Spirit so that instead of depending upon our reason and our intellect, we saw the supernatural power of the gospel. We saw the supernatural power of the Spirit. We saw the supernatural life of God. Because after all, God is supernatural. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 